your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes about the gifts that Jesus gave us at Christmas. The gifts that Jesus gave us. One little boy said to his uncle, he said, Uncle, thank you for getting me that electric guitar. He said, that's the best gift I ever got. And he said, you like it? He said, oh, yeah, I like it. He said, have you learned to play it? He said, no. He said, that's the beauty of it. He said, Mom gives me a dollar every day not to play it, and Dad gives me $5 a week if I won't play it at night. It's the best gift I ever got. As we all know, Christmas are about gifts. Some of you looked at me like, no, that's not right, Pastor. Yes, it is. I'm getting ready to show you. It's just not about the gifts that come to your mind. Christmas is all about gifts, and it's always been. But it's not about the little $5 gifts that you receive at the Dirty Santa game that you play where you uh, take turns trying to get rid of the junk at your house. Is that how some of y'all play that game? You're like, man, I forgot the $10 gift for the $5 gift. So you just walk around the house and find something from last year. Make sure it doesn't have a tag on it. You wrap it back up and bring it. Pass, let's pass this mess on to someone else. Years ago, we had a guy on staff. His name was Mike Price. And uh, he let, when he left her, he went to Mississippi. He's still there. He's doing ministry there. He's a pastor. But we found an old, nasty fruit log. Fruit. What do you call a fruit cake? I mean, I think however I said it was probably correct. I mean, it was. And, and it, somehow it had gotten opened up so it had just. It had molded and gotten just even more vile than, than what they are otherwise. And he and I took turns mailing that back and forth to each other for Christmas for years. Years. In fact, one year I opened up a bag, a little bag of Cheetos, and I ate a few of them out and taped it back, sent that to him. And I mean, it's just every kind of junk and trash that we could think of, we sent back and forth, told each other Merry Christmas. We had a lot of fun with that. I don't know whatever happened to that old, that old what do you call that thing? Fruitcake? Is that what you call it? I'm not talking, huh? Yeah, I'm not talking about Mike. I'm talking about the, the, uh, talking about, <laughs> I hope he's watching. I hope somebody tells him I said that. Oh, I love it. He's my friend. But yeah, that poor nasty thing, it got passed back and forth for years. We had a lot of fun with that. The gifts that I want to talk about are, are, are a whole lot more important than that. We start with Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, shepherds were in the fields near Bethlehem, and they were taking turns watching their flock during the night. And an angel from the Lord suddenly appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord filled the area with light, and they were terrified. Can you imagine? Something amazing, eternally amazing was happening right at that moment. And no one that was seeing this could know how eternally, specifically, special this moment was at that very moment when jesus was being born he was bringing to the world gifts and i'm only going to list four of them but he brought a lot more than that but four of them that we can see specifically through the account of him coming to the earth the first gift that he brought us is found in verse 10 the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Guess what the first one is? The first gift that Jesus brought us, even at his birth, before he uttered a word, just by him arriving on the planet, he gave us the gift of joy. 
you know, whenever we read the story, we always, uh, there are certain people in the Bible that we just, it comes natural for us to vilify, you know. We talk about Judas, and we all want to throw rocks at Judas, you know. There's just, there's just different people. And, and when we look at this story, the innkeeper takes the bad rap. It's like, how dare this guy put the mother of Jesus in a barn, right? I mean, we read this story, and we're like, man, how could this guy be so cruel? How could he be so unkind? You know, he's got God at his house and he puts him out in a barn. Well, first of all, he didn't know he had God at his house. And there's something I want to just kind of suggest about this innkeeper. And that is that he probably was not evil. He wasn't hostile. He wasn't even unsympathetic. His problem was he was just out of rooms. I mean, he's running a business and it's filled up. Every room has been taken. It's a busy time of year and the, and the motel is full. And the light's been turned off and it's, it, there's no vacancy and it, there's nothing he can do about it. I mean, the guy's being kind enough to let them stay in his barn. How many of you would do that if somebody showed up at your house and all the bedrooms are taken up and you're like, well, you can, man, I'll get you, you can sleep in a garage or I could, you can stay out in the shed. I don't want you to be completely outside and sleep in my car or something, right? I mean, this is what this guy's trying to, he's, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't know what else, how else can I handle this? He's busy at the time. He's trying to take care of merchants and tax collectors and sightseers and travelers and paying customers. And his problem was he just had no place for Jesus. It was Christmas time. He said, I've heard this message before. I know where the pastor's going with that one. He's too busy. He had no place. He had no room in his life. For Jesus. Hmm. He didn't know. Wasn't that he opposed the coming of the Messiah. His life is just full right now. He didn't know. He didn't know that the baby that was being born out in his barn someday was going to grow up and open blind eyes and unstop deaf ears and, and feed thousands of hungry people. He didn't know that the guy that was, that was being born outside in his shed 33 years from now was going to grow up and die on a cross for his own sins so he could be saved. He didn't know that. He didn't know he was turning away his own savior. He didn't know he was putting the king of kings and the Lord of lords in a cattle trough. He did not know that joy unspeakable and full of glory had come to his house and that he'd put him out. He didn't know that. All he knew is at the moment he just didn't have a place. There just wasn't any room. It wasn't malicious. He was just full. He was crowded. He was busy. He was preoccupied. He's striving to feed the hungry lion of carnal priorities. And Jesus wasn't convenient. So this man missed the joy all that night right on his own property of having the Lord God at his house. He missed it. It just went right by him without him ever even knowing who he had there. It's crazy, isn't it? Jesus came to bring people the gift of joy. Don't, you know what lesson one is, don't you? Don't be too busy to receive it. The second gift that he brought was there in verse 11. Today, your savior, Christ the Lord, was born in David's city. Man, that one screams hope to me. 800 years before this, Isaiah had prophesied this event. 
In my words, this is what Isaiah said. I'm not going to quote him. I'm just going to give you the DR translation. Uh, Basically what Isaiah said in the prophecy 800 years before. He said, hang on, all of you that are despairing and frustrated and hopeless because Jesus is coming. And this is the night it happened. On that night it happened. It would have been an amazing thing to see, even though you might not have not, not, not have understood. You might not have understood just like so mil- many millions of others didn't understand. But on that night, heaven's choir opened up to the earth below. There was one specific star that got brighter, I think, than it had ever been before. And it was honored and chosen to shine on the spot where Jesus was being born. Even the local sheep knew something special was going on. Shepherds in the fields watching their flock by night. I've preached on that one before. About how that they, that, that they're sitting around a campfire taking care of the sheep and all of a sudden all of heaven rolls back and there's the angelic choir and, and the angels are saying, uh, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill to all men. And one guy looks at the end and said, what did you put in that stew? You know, I mean, what are we, what are we eating here? I just seen a weird thing. I think I'm hallucinating. People wouldn't have known what was going on. But something changed that night. Where it had been dark, suddenly light broke through. You know, I get this picture of where death had had a had a chokehold on life, and that night life reversed the position and put death back in the grave. Something special about this night. God himself had descended. He had left glory to dwell among people. And he brought with that the most beautifully wrapped gift that we had ever seen. It was profound. It was hope. Hope is a powerful gift. Let me illustrate that. Some of you may have heard this story. It's an old story about a little boy who was in a bad accident and he was burned badly to the point that they didn't think he might, they didn't think he would even live. He went to a, a school that was a part of a large school system and they had a program in that system whereby they had uh, special teachers who in order to ensure children when they were sick or in the hospital didn't fall behind, these teachers would go to the hospitals and and tutor these children to help them stay on track the best that they could in spite of their illnesses. And so when this boy was uh, in this terrible accident where he'd been burned so badly, uh, his, this the, the teacher who was on call to go as a part of the program to visit the student went to his regular class teacher, said, I'm going to the hospital to visit with him. What are you guys working on? She said, well, we've been working on nouns and adverbs. And if you'll go and help him with that, you know, he said, at least, at least maybe he won't fall, fall so far behind. But nobody had warned this special teacher that this boy had been in this accident. She didn't know what she was going to encounter. And when she walked into the room and saw this poor little disfigured boy, it, it caused her to gasp. She starts stammering around and, and she's trying to get words out. She's trying to collect herself. She's shocked at the sight of what she's seeing. She's doing the best that she can though. She tries to recover. And she finally she stammers, but she says, I, I've been sent by the school to help you with your nouns and adverbs. And when she left, she actually felt bad about how how that had all gone. 
the next day, a nurse saw that teacher and she said, what did you do to that boy? And the teacher thought she'd done something wrong. She began to tell her, I'm so sorry. I just didn't expect, I apologize. I didn't expect to see what I saw when I got there. And I, I know I made a mess of it. And she said, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. She said, something happened yesterday when you were there that changed that little boy's perspective. It's almost as if he's decided to go ahead and live. Two weeks later, someone visiting with a little boy asked him what had happened so dramatically in his life that caused him to change his attitude and to begin his healing and restoration process so quickly. He said that everything had changed when he came to a simple realization. He expressed it this way. Here's what the little boy said. He said, I realized they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? I hate it when you all get ahead of me. You do it all the time. You say, Pastor, I know where you're going with that one. You're exactly right. You are ahead of me. God wouldn't send his only begotten son that he could be brutalized and die to save a bunch of scoundrels who were beyond saving. Apparently there was something in us that was worthy enough for him to come and save us. And so he came and he brought us that very, very powerful gift of hope. A reason for me to go on. Even when times are bad. Even when things are sad. There's something in the life of the believer that tells them, hey, in spite of this situation, this circumstance I might be facing, this situation that our family is in, in light of all that, I still have hope because Jesus thought I was worthy enough that he came and died for me. He didn't change his mind. Luke chapter 2 verse 12 tells us the third gift he brought. It's love. He said, this is how you'll recognize him. You'll, you'll find an infant wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, a large army of angels appeared with the angel and they were praising God. Now I want you to see this picture. Here's an infant and he's just wrapped in old rags. He's lying in a cattle trough. Yet the angels, the armies of angels are praising this scene. Now, what could this celebration be about that would conjure such a scene? Why would heaven, why would all of the earth and creation itself rejoice? I'm talking people weren't smart enough to know what was going on, but the angels did and even a star did. Some sheep and some goats knew. A few wise men, some shepherds. What was the commotion about? What could conjure such a scene? the first time that the earth had ever seen firsthand the unconditional love of God for people. They knew he existed. They'd been trying to walk with him for a long time. They'd been trying to to, uh, uphold all these laws and commands for a long time. They'd been trying to appease this God for a long time. Their history had been one of much difficulty. Due to failures and sins, times they'd gotten away from God, they had suffered. They had seen some terrible, terrible times. But on that night, 
God decided to show the world once and for all that he loved us and that that love was going to be unconditional, not based upon what we thought, knew, said, did, but it was just going to be offered. What an awesome gift. It was explained later on this way in the Bible. The scene right here that we're talking about was explained later on. It goes something like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him might not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. He sent his best. He sent his only. He sent his first to and for us. And that's love. That's kind of love that we can't even imagine. And God knew. The father knew that it was going to entail The loss of his son. The son succumbed to that knowing the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit gave up his own identity right there. In order to from that point on merely point us to him. You don't even know the Holy Spirit's name. He said this love is so important that people get it and understand it. We're not even going to call me by name anymore. We're going to use my personality to point to Jesus. The object of this love. Love is sacrificial. God left his place of splendor and glory to come and dwell among people who were filthy and vulgar. People like us. Why? Because he could not imagine eternity without us. Isn't that amazing? God could not stomach the thought of us spending eternity in hell. As bad as some of us have been, God could not stomach the thought of any of us Spend an eternity away from God or in hell. So God gave us through Jesus the gift of love at Christmas. I love the song the children sing. I still sing it myself sometimes. And I sing it to the kids when I get a chance. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. It's the greatest gift he could give, the gift of love. And the fourth gift he gave us, look at it, verse 14. It's the gift of peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those who have his goodwill. You need to understand something about Jesus. The world that he came into was a lot like the world that we live in now. Technology has advanced a bit. I understand that. But people's ideas and their goals, their reason for existence, their wants and needs were the same. I've seen it for years and years everywhere we ever go. No matter how many things people possess, they all want the same thing. That is, they want their children to have it better than they had it. They want their children to grow up and have a good life and have peace. They want their kids to have joy. This is where peace came from. Up to this point, understand something. People were just existing. But Jesus came to give us life and what? And give us that more Abundantly to go from a mere existence to all of a sudden a life of abundance. And at that point, people were burdened under the loads of sin and guilt. But Jesus came to say, be of good cheer. Your sin has been forgiven. No longer do you have to carry the sacrifice down to the temple and wait in line. People were lonely, but Jesus came and said, I don't call you servants anymore, but I've called you friends. And beyond that, he said, I'm going to stay with you even to the end of the world. People were suffering, 
But Jesus came to say, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. Take it upon you and you'll see. Get into the yoke. Get into the harness with me, he said. And when you get in the harness with me, you'll know I'm helping you to carry your load. And the load becomes so much lighter and so much easier because I'm going to get in the yoke with you. I'm going to bring you peace. I want you to hear this statement. I'm about to conclude, but I want you to hear this statement. The peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but instead it is the confidence that he is with us through the trouble. And there you have it. Jesus brought us Christmas gifts way before we secularized the holiday and bout near ruined it. Somebody say amen. How have we allowed such a precious and awesome occasion to turn into such a stress-filled time? So commercialized. Guys, you know how it is around here. From Thanksgiving on, you don't even want to try to get in your car. It's nuts. Everybody go home so I can get somewhere. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, 4.30, 4.30 in the afternoon on, you might as well not try to get from here to the mall or in, here to Springdale or anywhere else. I mean, it's done. All of Northwest Arkansas is shut down until the third or fourth day of January. And it's all about gifts during that time. That's why everybody's on the road. That's where they're going. They got to buy gifts. They got to buy gifts. They can't remember. They can't remember. They can't forget either. They, they can't remember where they're supposed to be. And they can't forget anything of them. They got to get a gift. Oh, my lens, we're on a party. We got to go to a party now. We got to come up with two $5 gifts. Man, I'll be glad when Christmas is over. You've said it. Be so thankful when Christmas is over. Can't wait for February when the snow comes and everybody stays home. Yeah, that one struck a nerve right there. Wouldn't we just freak everybody out if we told them that Jesus was born in September? Which we think he was. <laughs> Isn't it ironic? What we've done to his birthday. Some folks are astounded that we would even have church next Sunday. It's Christmas. Next Sunday's Christmas Day. Are we idiots? We're going to have church? Pastor, are you an idiot? It's Christmas. I think I'm an idiot if we don't. I don't know that there's any other reason for the season. There is no reason for it to exist. If Jesus isn't the focal point of it, then there's no reason for us to, there's certainly no reason for us to do to ourselves what we've been doing for years over this. But if we give up Jesus in all of this, then why did it even exist to begin with? Christmas has always been and will always be only about Christ or else it ceases to have a reason to exist at all. And this is what Jesus was about from the moment, from the moment that he got here. From the second he arrived, he was passing out gifts. 
from the second he got here. He said, it's Christmas and I brought you something. I brought you joy. I brought you love. I brought you hope. I brought you peace. And if you want to give something to somebody, then give them that. Tell them I said that. You want to share something with somebody this year? Share hope with them. Share peace. Show them love. Let them see joy. True joy. Mm. Don't get so busy. Don't get too full. Don't become so preoccupied with trivial pursuits that you miss your reason for existence. And that was to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's the only reason that you were created and given breath. It's the only reason that you're experiencing life. There's only one reason why you're here. The only way you'll ever find your purpose or your reason for existence. Is when you submit to the will of God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't even start living until you do that. You don't have, an, you don't have a clue about why you're here until... You allow him to open up the spiritual blinders. Millions of people are walking around on this planet trying to figure out their purpose, trying to do good things, trying to find an avenue to God, searching for God in religions of all kinds. It's so easy. Pitch it all out in the trash and just choose Jesus. Then you don't even have to worry with religion. You can just get on with a sincere and genuine relationship with God and the gifts he brought become yours they're yours whether you take them or not but until you accept him you don't start utilizing they don't start happening you don't start seeing it that's what today's about Learning to accept and enjoy the gifts that Jesus gave us at Christmas. That's what it's all about. That's it. Lord, we have no other reason to be here. We have no other reason to exist. We are here to bring you glory by the living of our lives. We are here today specifically as brothers and sisters to tell you thank you. To bless you and to praise you, to worship you and to tell you thank you for the love, the joy, the peace and the hope that you've given us. That's why we came today. Lord, I pray right now that you would give courage to those individuals who are in this room and those that are watching us right now, perhaps all over the world by live stream. That you would give them the courage right now. To accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If they've never done it. If they've never invited him into their heart. Or perhaps that one time they, they prayed a prayer. But they, their life hasn't changed. They've just not followed him. It's just not happening. They're just not pursuing him. They're not seeing the fruits of these gifts in their life. God, today's a special day. Because God, your birthday could be their birthday too the day that they surrender and become your child give us the courage I pray right now God every person in this room's heads bowed eyes are closed you man, you mean you're, you're praying like you never prayed before that God would give someone the courage somewhere right now to pray this prayer in an office right now perhaps someone is sitting in front of a computer
and conviction is gripping their heart. All you have to do right there, right there where you're at, just say, Jesus, forgive me. Somebody sitting in their living room right now with a cup of coffee in their hand. And they're saying, wow, I need to pray this prayer. There's people in this room right here. I'm convinced that there's people in this room right now who need to pray this prayer and forever have your life changed. I'm not going to ask you today to come to the front. But I am going to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would lift your hand if this message is for you. And you're saying I need to give my heart to Jesus today and I'm ready to pray this prayer. I'm about to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to pray it all together. But I want to see who it is that I'm talking to. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to recommit my life to Christ. One or the other. Whatever the case might be. I want to see your hand. Put them up very quickly. Put them up. You don't have to keep them up very long. Just put them up long enough for me, for me to see. How many more? There's one, two. How many more? How many more? How many more? Nobody's looking. It's just me. Keep your heads, heads bowed. Keep your eyes closed. There's two. How many more? And I have this sense in my spirit that I'm talking to a lot of people that are lifting their hands right now that aren't in this room with us. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is just as strong and just as real where they are as it is right here. I'm convinced of that. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right there where you're sitting, right there where you're kneeling, right there where you're standing. I'm talking to you right now. And I want you to pray this prayer with us in this room. As we pray this prayer, we're going to pray it in this room all together. And I want you to pray it right there where you are. And I want you to pray it if you lifted your hand in this room. All across this room, church, would you say with me, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I want to live for you. And from this day forward, I'm your child. Jesus' name. Amen. God, as a group, we accept the gift that you gave us. I'm thankful, Lord, you haven't given up on any of us. There's some that are listening right now that are shocked at what has happened because they had no intentions of this and all of a sudden they have been in, they have encountered Jesus in their life and have been convicted and all of a sudden they're like, wow, wow, my life has changed. Just like everyone's life since the birth of Christ has changed upon receiving him and accepting him. So now that has happened for you. You prayed that prayer. I want you to let us know. I want you to let us know. You're here in this room. Let one of us know. Let one of the pastors know you prayed that prayer. If you are watching from somewhere else, send us a, an email or a, ta- a text or something and just tell us of that commitment that you made today so we can pray with you, so we can encourage you. But church, I'm excited because the scripture says that in heaven they rejoice when someone co- comes to know the Lord. And two right here in this room have prayed a prayer of rededication or, or a prayer of commitment to the Lord. I'm telling you, there's a party going on in heaven. Uh, you talk about a Christmas party. You've never even seen one of what they've got going on right now. And I want to join into that with those that have prayed for this prayer in this room and those that prayed with us by live stream. I want to pray right now uh, for them. But before we do, I want all of us to put our hands together and just tell the Lord that we want to join in the celebration and we're excited. We're proud of those who pray that prayer today god bless you for having the courage to do that and now lord i bring them to you everyone that prayed this prayer i bring them to you lord you said you never lost one you never lost one 
Every one that was ever, that was ever yours, that was ever given to you, you never lost one. Save one. God is certainly not any of us. We've made a decision. As long as that decision is intact, as long as that is, the, that decision is in our heart and the Holy Spirit will convict us, we will continue to live for you. We will fail. We will, we will fall. But God, that Holy Spirit will continue to strive. I pray that He would, that He would convict us. These that are praying this prayer for the very first time, they don't have a clue. Some don't have a clue about walking or living a Christian life. I pray that they will not become discouraged. And if they fail, that they will not give up. That they would not give up the hope that they've received today. But, oh God, that they'll continue to just be led of the Spirit. That they'll start praying and reading a Bible. Getting involved in a local church. And start growing in your grace. I thank you for it in Jesus' name.